This is Bentley Manning. And this is Kellen Day. This is an experiment to see what happens when church gets canceled. And we find new ways to connect. This is... This is... This is... Empty Pews. Hey everyone, this is Bentley Manning coming to you from the Church of the Incarnation in Highlands, North Carolina. Hey, this is Callan. I'm also coming to you from the mountains. Bentley, you're um, you're looking a little different today. Yeah, just for the folks listening, we just recorded probably five minutes of stuff, and, and Kellen wasn't sure that that's the kind of content that we wanted to put out uh, to our listeners. It, it, there's nothing wrong with it. It just didn't feel quite right. She wanted to talk about, instead, uh, a new look. Um, you are right, Kellen. Uh, I've got new eyeglasses. And I just think this is like a momentous occasion because you haven't had new a new pair of glasses in, in how many years, Bentley? A long time. Like when I went into five the, years. Yeah. The six ophthalmologist years. looked at the glasses and they said, Well, you you might have trouble seeing with these not because you need, you know, a different prescription, but because you have so many marks, scratches and smudges on your lenses, you can't see. Yeah, so these glasses, if you like drop them or hit them, that might be a little more fragile. Actually, they're not. Really? Yeah, they're titanium. Oh my, okay, the opposite. They're sturdy. Yes. So Bentley has some new eyewear, and you might get to see it if you like show up to Zoom class or worship, and that's pretty fun. Yeah, um, they're, they're a thinner frame, so I feel Would you like, like to describe them? Yeah, they're a thinner frame, and I feel like... I can see better because I'm not looking through a bunch of plastic. Super helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Great. And you got another pair, which I haven't seen yet. Well, here's the deal. I went all the way to Birmingham, Alabama to get some new glasses because now I, there's an eyewear store in town, but I just, Is yeah, there? yeah, there's one right on Main Street. Really? Uh-huh. But I don't know if they have a doctor in there. I think it's just like get some new sunglasses. I had no idea. I'll show you. So anyway, but I just decided to go to the place that I used before when I lived in Alabama, and that, that worked out well. And, and while I was there, seeing as I don't get uh, new pairs of glasses very often, I decided to get two, two pair. Variety is wonderful. I think so. Yeah. Well, I think this is a great new look, Bentley, and well done. You have beautiful taste in glasses. Thanks, Kellen. This morning, which is Tuesday when we're recording, I was on a diocesan call, diocesan fresh start for those who are new to the diocese. Um, Even though I've been here a year and a half, it's a two-year program. And so I miss Bible studies on Tuesday mornings when I have fresh start. And as Bentley knows this, like I get really sad about missing Bible study because I love, I love Bible study. It's one of like my favorite things of the week. 
And after Bible study, I'm really happy and want to like talk about a lot of things. And so I just, I feel like I need to get caught up on what happened this morning, Bentley, in Bible study. So do you want to, you want to tell me? Yeah. So Kellen, we had a blast. Of course, we all missed you. Uh, It was a lot of fun. We missed your insights, your wisdom, your knowledge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, But we looked looked at the third chapter of Colossians. Mm -hmm. And this is a letter uh, for those of you who haven't looked at this that there's some dispute about who wrote it. Was it Paul or was it someone kind of claiming to be Paul? It seems like scholars are kind of split on this, uh, but- And Bentley and I are split on this as well. So let's just let them know. So you say- I think it's not Paul. And I just say, I don't really care. I don't know if we have enough on either side. You lean towards Paul though. No, I don't. Yeah, you do. I'm agnostic on Uh, I think you lean towards Paul. Okay, whatever. So we're reading the letter and it's- it's, um, it's a lot of fun, but we're at the third chapter, and 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 the author is is writing a group of people, uh, a church community that um, a Christian community that is um, dealing with an outside group that says, okay, you've been baptized, but there's more stuff you need to do to gain spiritual perfection, and we'll call him Paul, the writer of the epistle, saying, nope. You have everything you need by virtue of your baptism. And right here in chapter 3, he says uh, that your life is hidden with Christ in God. So we spent some time, Kellen, talking about what does it mean to have your life hidden with Christ in God? Yeah, what, what does it mean? Well, there were some different theories, but what, the one that I kind of advanced was that it means that if our home is in heaven with Christ seated at the right hand of God— uh, that is a reality that might be hidden from view kind of right now in the earthly realm that we find ourselves in. Seem, sure. seem right? I think that seems right, yeah. But then Paul goes on to say, or Paul, quote unquote, depending on who you are, goes on to say, well, if that's hidden, there are some things that should be present in your life that mm. would testify, point to that hidden reality. Yeah, like good fruit. Pretty much good fruit. There's some things that are bad fruit. He names the bad fruit. (laughs) It's like if you have these things, you might not be hidden with Christ. (laughs) Yeah, but here's what he said. And I think this is something that we could uh, read at every annual parish meeting because I think it's just great words of wisdom for the church. Can I read it? Oh, go for it. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must be forgiven. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body, and be thankful. Mm. I agree. Let's just like read that whenever we can. This is why we, I think, love Bible study. I mean, we love Bible study because we like getting behind the text and doing all the like fun academic work of what's going on. I like Bible study because you get to like talk about, you know, the holy narrative with people. Right. You know, like reading the text in community, you get a lot of different perspectives on it. Yes. And you get the perspective of the author of Colossians, yeah, which is, this is how you should live together in fellowship as Christians. That's a good word. Yeah. I, anyway, so that's what we talked about, Kellen, and we missed you. 
at the class. I miss being there. Uh, if you all get a chance, uh, go look up this section of Colossians. It's chapter 3, uh, verses 12 through 15. Maybe it could be part of your Lenten meditations. Ellen, speaking of Lenten meditations, during the season of Advent, we offered some reflections uh, from Austin Ferrer's book, The Crown of the Year. Uh, and I think it might be nice to share a little bit of Ferrer's uh, thinking as related to the season of Lent. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Uh, we've picked one out. We're not going to do this through the whole season of Lent, but we thought this one was particularly appropriate. Um, so I'll read it. Everything that is true of Christ's body is true of us in some manner. He gives us his body that we may become his body. Christ's body died on the cross. He also rose. The resurrection is ours, but the death also is ours. Many men at the last challenge have consented to be martyrs and set their bodies aside. But Christ's passion was no more than the last expression of what he had done all his life. He had set his body aside whenever its demands conflicted with man's need or God's will. And so he had rehearsed his death continually, not morbidly, but with joy and self-forgetfulness. We have many opportunities so to rehearse our death and how steadily we reject them. Our bed, our chair retains us when we should get up and pray. Fleshly delights of act and imagination, some by no means innocent, hold us from following better inspirations. Our own pleasure comes before our neighbors, vanity before sympathy. How will it be when rehearsals are over and we have to act our part to put our bodies finally off that we may possess God? If Christ offers us up with his own death in this sacrament, it is that we may die a voluntary and daily death and merit a daily resurrection. Helen, you're preaching on this second Sunday of Lent, so let me do my best to summarize the gospel reading for this coming Sunday. It comes from the eighth chapter of Mark, and it's the moment where Jesus begins to tell his disciples that he's going to have to undergo great suffering, uh, that he'll be rejected by others and killed. And then this is the moment where Peter looks um, to Jesus and says, 
uh, no, it can't be. And he rebukes Jesus for saying this thing. And then Jesus looks to Peter and says, get behind me, Satan, for you're setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Uh, He then goes on to tell his disciples that if they're to follow him, that they're going to have to also pick up their crosses and follow him. And those who uh, seek to save their lives must lose it. And those who lose their life for his sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. Uh, So this is the gospel reading for Sunday. Um, And we're given words that might be just as difficult for us to comprehend as they were for Peter. So I'm curious, Kellen, uh, what are you thinking as you prepare for your sermon on Sunday? I'm resonating with Peter in this passage. Um, I know that Jesus has like a really strong rebuke for him. Like get behind me, Satan is maybe one of the stronger uh, rebukes that Jesus uses in the Gospels. But, you know, sort of reflecting on Austin Fair's um, thoughts about how we avoid death in so many ways, right? We avoid the little deaths um, by distraction or laziness or um, fear or our own vanity, whatever it is. And here, Peter doesn't want to face that truth that Jesus, his friend, his beloved um, teacher and leader is going to die. Like he just can't and doesn't want to come to terms with that. So I, I get, I get it. (laughs) I get that sort of, um, that spot in the human heart that wants to say like, no, this is not how it should be. Um, and Peter will run away from that truth at other points in the gospel, um, right, as Jesus is arrested, right? He's going to betray him. Um, and that's why, like, I don't know. I think there's room in the story for us because of Peter. You know, he can't handle that Jesus is going to die. And I think a lot of times we can't handle that either. So you have me thinking about um, our inability uh, to handle the truth that Jesus is going to die. And I think most of us, if we really kind of were put to our own devices, would come up with a savior that was a little bit more like a cowboy and a lot less like a savior that's going to hang on a tree. And I think I think part of the reason we want a cowboy is because most of us don't want to walk through life in the ways that Jesus calls his disciples to walk through life, a one that relinquishes power, one that gives up um, control and victory. Um, And I think part of the challenge, um, in addition to having a a friend uh, have to suffer, which I certainly think uh, Peter is worried about, what does it mean for us? What does it mean for Christians who are going to follow this suffering Savior to the cross? What does that mean for our lives? And I think maybe back to our Bible study that we referenced earlier on in the podcast, is that it's going to mean um, a life of meekness. It's going to mean a life of humility um, that's pressed out of 
a life that's willing to follow Jesus to the cross. And if we're all being honest, on most days, we'd probably rather have a cowboy than a God that suffers on a cross because it's going to have it's going to require us to change and that process is probably going to be more painful than any of us would want for our lives you got me thinking about that adage um that you say sometimes Bentley change or die in this case I feel like it's more along the lines of like a change is death um And that's okay. (laughs) It's okay that it's going to be hard and painful. I think that all of us are, to some extent, afraid of change and afraid of what's next and um, uncertain that new life will come from the deaths. But, of course, it does. Right? Going back to fair, right? We die daily so that we might also rise daily. Faith sometimes holds your hand through the night Or washes your feet with bended knees a blessing. I have no cause to linger beside this place of death, no reason to keep vigil where life has left. And yet I cannot go, cannot bring myself to cleave myself from here, can only pray that this waiting might yet be a blessing, and this grieving yet a blessing, and this stone yet a blessing, and this silence yet a blessing still.
Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Empty Pews. As always, we really appreciate your faithfulness and listening. Um, And yeah, just are grateful for all of you. As you probably know by now, we have a number of Lenten offerings, which we invite you to participate in. Two classes, one on Sunday morning, one on Wednesday evening, um, and then a chance to focus your giving to our Haiti partners during the season of Lent. We also just got off the phone uh, with the Bishop of the Diocese of Western North Carolina, and uh, he has opened up worship beginning in March. So be on the lookout in your email for ways to sign up for in-person worship. Uh, Those services will still be limited um, to a number of 25, but we surely hope that you'll come and join us uh, for worship in the weeks ahead. We love you. We miss you. God's peace. Peace.